Shalom, shalom. Welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original language as a day. <laughs> as a guide, I'm sorry. I just stepped inside from working outside all morning and I thought, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. So if I'm a little bit not prepared, which is kind of like always, but a little bit more so, then that's why um, I've already been working all morning and wrestling goats and <laughs> dogs and literally it's been crazy. So, but let's get into the word because if you're having a rough day or a crazy day, that's there's nothing better than getting in the word of God. So I pray Father God opens our eyes ears, and hearts to his truth. And without any further ado, I pray we begin here. Let me get over here. I suppose I should have the Hebrew up just in case we need it. Okay. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover, the Pesach to Yahweh your Elohim. For in the month of Abib, Yahweh your Elohim brought you out of Egypt by night. Now remember, We've already talked about this. This is why they ate the Passover at the end of the 14th day. And we know for 100% certain it says they came out on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So at sunset, then begins the nighttime, right? And that was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So they ate the Passover at the end of the 14th day as the beginning of the 15th was setting upon the earth and Yahweh brought us out. Now, remember the word Abib is actually a stage of barley ripeness. It is a Hebrew word, Aviv, that means a stage of barley ripeness. So when you see a little amount of barley in that ripeness, you don't have to have the whole field. This is the first fruit of the harvest. I recently heard of somebody who is celebrating Passover or everything a month later because they didn't think there was enough Aviv, but there totally was this year. All you have to have is enough to bring the first fruit offering. And when you see the barley in the stage of Abib, in the, in the um, land of Israel, you would know to call it the new year and start the month of Abib. <laughs> so Abib, the month, is named after the stage of barley ripeness. I just love it. It's also the word we use for spring in Hebrew. So all sorts of neat things. Therefore, you shall sacrifice the Passover to Yahweh your Elohim from the flock and the herd in the place where Yahweh chooses to put his name. Ding, ding, ding. Remember where that was? Jerusalem. You shall eat no un- no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. So remember, their bread didn't rise. And any of you who make sourdough bread, you know that the bread... You need time to cultivate the yeast and you need time for the bread to rise. So when you mix in your starter, it doesn't just happen right away. It takes, it can take a good, you know, six to 12 hours and they didn't have time for that. So it had not risen that you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt, all the days of your life. So we've already talked about this feast in detail earlier in the podcast, different um, segments, but remember um, Passover, and then you have this eight, um, the seven days of unleavened bread, where the first and the seventh day are holy convocations, and you eat no unleavened bread, symbolizing the act of the Holy Spirit in the Father in the completeness, getting you sin free. So it it's a it's a time period. So the leaven is symbolic of sin, and for seven days you remove it. So basically, it's until you're clean, you continue to remove it. You are always working. I mean, all of us. If we're not being worked on by the Father, then we are not His. <laughs> and if you think you have arrived, I promise you, you don't know the Father. <laughs> you do not know His heart, and you have never met Yahweh. Because there is no, even Paul said, I can't count myself approved. I know of nothing in me, but I can't count myself approved. And all of us can work in some area. 
And that's the amazing grace of our Father. He is working until his good work is completed in us. He won't give up on us. Verse four, and no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the meat which you sacrifice the first day at twilight remain overnight until morning. So the leaven applies to all of your dwellings. So anywhere you live, you can't have leaven. But the Passover had to be eaten where? In the place where he put his name. So understand those distinctions and look at the differences as we go through scripture. It makes sense. Um, because there are three feasts a year where the men had to go and eat this. Of course, the women are welcome, but the men had to go. And then there were ones that had to be observed in all of the homes. So the whole homestead, everybody, the kibbutz <laughs> was keeping the unleavened feast bread. They have it no leaven, but they weren't observing Passover unless you were in the land of, in the place of Jerusalem. You may, verse five says it all. You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates, whichever your God gives you. So none of the people could eat the Passover within their homes. But what does verse 6 say? But at the place where Yahweh your Elohim chooses to make his name abide, there you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun, at the time you came out of Egypt. There's more verses that prove that the Last Supper was not the Passover Supper. It was literally his last supper <laughs> that he had alive. The book of Matthew has some confusing transcription errors, um, but if, because it'll say they ate Passover, but then it says the next day was going to be Passover. And the translators were antinomians, which means against the law. And they were trying to translate this and understand the season. But the whole season is called the Passover season, just as the pagans call the whole season of Christmas, the, the Christmas season. And it's not just one day, but they do it from like, what, November 26th, 25th, somewhere in there, whatever, after Thanksgiving all the way through. That's their season. So we have this season in the Bible of the Passover season. And it often gets condensed just to be called Passover versus the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So just keep that in mind. And you must, must, must sacrifice the Passover only. So don't eat lamb at your home. That is not the Passover. It has to be done in the gates. I don't care if you worship him in spirit and truth now. The truth still remains. The spirit remains. You can't make a replacement ceremony like Jeroboam. So, okay, the spirit and truth is you're remembering this offering. You're remembering what we would do. You're calling and crying out for him to restore us. That is your spirit. That is your truth because you see the value in it. You see the meaning of it, but you do not make a replacement ceremony because you can't break Torah to keep Torah. <laughs> that doesn't work, okay? And you can't decide that it's your right to do it in America. No, we are exiled. We are in punishment. And if you read the book of Nehemiah and Hemiah, Ezra, um, if you read the book of Chronicles, what is it? Uh, I can't remember, 30 or 20, Second Chronicles 30 or 20, I was reading it. They didn't celebrate the, fa the feast until they went back to Jerusalem. And all of the northern tribes of Israel, King Hezekiah said, come to Jerusalem and keep the feast with us. They had already gotten scattered, the 10 northern tribes. And he reached out his hand to them and said, come celebrate with us where, we ha where you have to do it. And it says um, some did, but very few. Some from the tribe of Asher and a few other tribes. But just remember that. So no replacement ceremonies. Verse 7. And you shall roast and eat it in the place which Yahweh your Elohim chooses. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. Six days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a sacred assembly to Yahweh your Elohim. You shall do no work on it. You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you put the sickle to the grain. That is the feast of first fruits, people. <laughs> not, not Passover. Because you put the sickle to the grain the very first day, you bring the abi barley to Yahweh. And that can be the day after Passover, but often it's not. And so the year when they went into the land, um, in the book of Joshua or Judges, I can't remember, I think it's Judges, 
Yes, it happened to be the day after Passover, <laughs> but it's not the day after Passover. It is the day of Feast of First Fruits. And we can prove that because in Leviticus 20, um, 23, it says you have to count to, this, to the day after the seventh Sabbath. To the day after the seventh Sabbath. So the seventh Sabbath is day 49. You see, it always has to start on a Sunday because today 50 will always be on a Sunday then. So if you count on it from a Sunday to seven Sundays later, that's day 50. So again, verse nine, you shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you put, you begin to put the sickle to the grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to Yahweh your Elohim with the tribute of a free will offering from your hand, which you shall give as Yahweh your Elohim blesses you. You shall rejoice before Yahweh your Elohim, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your gates, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place where Yahweh your Elohim chooses to make his name abide. <laughs> and you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. You cannot change God's laws in the spirit. You can't, just like you can't change the spiritual um, ramifications of eating pork, you can't change the spiritual ramifications of changing these holidays. That is not what Yeshua was saying. He didn't say, now you're going to be able to sin and break the Torah in these areas, people. I just have to stress this because messianics are messy in this area. And I know they're wrong. You have to observe it the way it is. We have to be in, we are in timeout right now. We have to accept our punishment. We have to cry out for deliverance and the return of the Messiah and the restoration of all his things. Verse 13, you shall observe the feast of tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your wine press. This is at the end of the harvest. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to Yahweh your Elohim in the place which Yahweh chooses, because Yahweh your Elohim will bless you in all your produce, in all the work of your hands, so that you shall surely rejoice. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before Yahweh your Elohim in the place which he chooses. Now, the reason not everybody has to go is because sometimes someone, if, you if you're pregnant, sometimes you can't go. If you're nursing a child, sometimes you can't go. If you had animals to take care of, somebody has to stay home. And one person stands in the gap in the, in the stead of the family. Now, the Sabbath was still observed in the home, but they didn't make the replacement ceremonies. The sacrifices and the offerings were taken to Jerusalem. Now, we just read that in chapter 12. You have to take it there. If the journey is too far, you sell it, and then you buy the animal or the produce there and eat it. It's dinner with daddy. You don't get to do it in America, in Fort Smith, in Sheridan, in Colorado Springs. You don't get to do it in America, people. This is in the land of Israel. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before Yahweh empty-handed. Now, the significance of these, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's the first, that's, you know, um, the Passover when Yahweh saved his children, when he brought us out, established the nation of Israel, right? And he, um, and, and we started to get the sin out of us. He said, I'm going to basically work on you until it's all out. At the Feast of Weeks, that um, is when they got the Holy Spirit, the Shavuot, and that was the return of the 10 northern tribes of Israel when Israel was returning, beginning to return to Yahweh. And not all of them returned yet, but it was the beginning of the spread of the, quote, gospel, that you can be forgiven. You can return to the Father. Then at the Feast of Tabernacles is when Yahweh harvests us all. So the Feast of Weeks was the beginning of the wheat harvest. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was the beginning of the barley harvest. And the Feast of Tabernacles is the end of all the harvest, all God's people harvested up. So he speaks in agricultural terms. And if you work the land, it is so powerful. 
And those of you who don't get to, oh, I pray God gives you that chance. So, because you learn so much more. Even animals, oh my gosh, today, literally almost died. <laughs> Not really. Well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it just, I just was praying with Father God because I never wanted goats. But he keeps telling me symbolically that some of the people I'm sharing with are goats right now. And some people in my care are goats <laughs> instead of sheep. Oh, and they don't always listen the best. They do. Honestly, they listen pretty well, these ones. But then they just do dumb things. And like, oh. <laughs> anyway, it teaches me so much about our stubbornness as humans to our Father, God. And it also teaches me um, patience. Oh my gosh, patience. Because you have to stay patient. I have two guardian dogs and you... You have to definitely command them. They have to see you as the leader, and they do. Um, but they, you have to earn their respect. And and I get that, and my dogs are very much protective of me, so I need to be very careful with them, um, who I have them around, because they are very, very protective of me. Um, but they teach me patience because I have to be firm with them, but I can't completely lose my temper at them, if that makes sense, when they're naughty. Because they have to understand this is not okay, but they also have to understand that I love them. And so that's kind of like the father. Anyway, those of you who don't get to do that yet, maybe just even volunteer at a farm or ask the father for that opportunity because it really will teach you a lot about how his dealing is with us. And I always pray to be a sheep, not a goat. <laughs> but help him to show us if we're, you know, anywhere. I pray every night, every day, every day, all the time. Just was praying a minute ago. Any darkness in my heart, Lord, anything, show me. Help me to overcome anything. I just want to be pure. I answer to him. So, blah, blah, blah. That was a long little side note. I told you guys. I told you. See, I've been out working all morning. <laughs> my brain's a little fried already. Um, I get a little, I'm a little sidetracked, but it's okay. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of Yahweh or Elohim, which he has given you. And remember, let's be able, not Cain. Remember Cain, back in the book of Genesis, he gave from his heart and Yahweh received it. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which Yahweh or Elohim gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. I love that. They need to be just. They need to do what's right. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality nor take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. If you're paying a pastor, if you're paying a rabbi, if you're paying somebody, believe me, you are bribing them. Never are they to be paid. Never. The book of Micah says it very clearly. And you could send somebody out, like, for example, on a journey, if they were going somewhere. That's where Paul said, you know, if you go somewhere, then but you are not to pay them. The Levites in the land of Israel are taken care of from the tithe because they are doing the tab the work of Yahweh's tabernacle and or temple, whatever it was at the time. But if you are being paid, it will blind your eyes faster than you can imagine because you don't want to lose that money all of a sudden. There's a spirit attached to it that you cannot even sometimes comprehend unless you see and it's so dangerous. So don't pay anybody. They, believe me, I mean, we have, we have led fellowships for 20 years now and never taken a dime. And believe me, God always gives me time. <laughs> he speaks to me. He shows me what the lesson's going to be that week or my husband. And we didn't need all this other time. <laughs> and um, 
I know we've actually had people leave sometimes and go to these named fellowships and then um, literally come back and say they didn't learn anything at the other fellowships. All these people, they were paying to teach them. They didn't learn anything there. Because because when you just start a religious group, you're just going to please everybody. You're not going to speak Yahweh's truth. Even Elijah, um, remember his servant got judged. Was it Elijah or Elijah? I'm sorry, Elisha. My head is just, I'm sorry. I'm swimming in confusion in pollen. (laughs) Um, But his Gehazi went back to get money and the prophet's like, what are you doing? We don't, we don't take money for doing God's work. And so be careful because if you're paying somebody, they're not going to tell you the truth. They're not willing. They're, they're just building their own kingdom, not God's. And so, and I, I don't stand before anybody because I know what Yahweh's shown me. Yes, you don't muzzle the ox while they trade out the grain. But that's not what that verse is about. And those people, they can, they need a job. Paul worked wherever he was at. He worked. He was a tent maker. Wherever they were, they provided. They worked. They worked. Unless you're a Levite, taking care of the tabernacle and temple, doing those huge sacrifices. Those are huge duties. And when we go back to Israel, that will happen. Verse 20. You shall follow what is altogether just, that you may live and inherit the land which Yahweh or Elohim has given you. You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to Yahweh or Elohim. So basically, don't put a stake there. Don't put a cross there. Don't put anything that's the wooden image, okay? And the cross was a very pagan wooden image. The cross beam upon which Yeshua died should never be worshipped. It's stupid. Um, And he did die on a cross beam, but not the same one as these Asherah poles. And most of the modern crosses look like the Asherah poles. You shall, and, and I'm sorry, and the, and the symbol of Mithra, who is an Egyptian god. You shall not set up a sacred pillar, which Yahweh, your Elohim, hates. Okay, so there you have it, folks. I hope you have a super blessed day. Get out there and <laughs> wrestle your cows and goats and sheep today, whatever you need to do. Have fun. I pray God protects you, blesses you. Um, reach out again on Facebook if you ever need. I'm not the best at checking it. I sometimes miss messages, but send it anyway. Um, I never check email. I forget to check email, but, um, you can always email me and, but the best way is just to find me on Facebook and then message me. But if you have questions, if you have comments, I do like to hear what you're saying and what Yahweh is showing you. Um, and, and I just pray you all super, you have a super blessed day and may Yahweh restore us to him and restore his ways on earth. I cannot wait till he teaches us all his truth. And uh, may we all be one in him.